0: I'm live at the Red House with Ian and Tally Butera. (laughs) Hello. (laughs) Tally's here somewhere, uh,
1: actually right there. Yeah.
0: So, yeah, thanks for coming over and doing this. Yeah. I appreciate it. Thanks
1: for inviting me. I mean, I've seen the people that you've been inviting on, and I feel privileged to uh, have the same opportunity as someone such as, like, like, Richard, Richard Emmett, he's... He's yeah, Local legend. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: I really uh, like that episode with Richard. Um, yeah. I, I'll tell you one of the reasons I wanted to have you on, uh, not only cause you're like really like everybody in town knows you, like everybody sees you and recognizes you. But, um, one thing I really like about just like following you on fucking social media is like what I perceive of your relationship with music. Mm-hmm. That's why I wanted to, that's what I wanted to ask you about. What's okay. what your relationship with music is, like and what you do it for, and just what it what it is. Like your your story with music as far mm. as music's concerned, I guess.
1: All right. Well, you know, it's uh it's a fitting day for it, because it's Mother's Day. It is Mother's Day. Yeah. Um I I guess so I started learning. To play guitar around the time we actually met. Uh, You probably don't even realize this, but you're probably, you're definitely one of the first people I ever played guitar for. Hmm. Um, I still remember it very clearly. Uh, You were about to play at the garage. And it was before uh, I think he just got done uh, setting up and I forgot who was mixing that day. But I showed you the song I learned how to play first was this Irish folk song called Spansel Hill. Hmm. And I uh, but I learned to play this classical arrangement of it because there's no recording of it. I, the, huh. I found this classical arrangement on YouTube of this guy named Tony Fagan. It's this, like, old Irish man, and he's the only recording of this, like, beautiful classical arrangement of it. And um, I got the music book from that he, like, says that he got the um, arrangement from, and I learned how to play it, and I played it for you, uh, well, one, the first half of it. The second half is considerably different, mm. difficult, and it took me, like, four years to learn how to play it. Really? Yeah, because it's very slow and um, melodic at first, and then it kicks into this, like, super fast rhythm. Mm. And I'm still... still don't have it down perfect, but... um, Yeah, I played it for you, and you're like, oh, you're so pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) And then I was like, I'm just tricking you because this is all I can do. (laughs) Um, Yeah, but so I started learning guitar um, very spotty when I was at the garage because uh, Billy Feathers offered um, to show me a couple of things and she mm. let me borrow her Martin Triple Zero and it was super cool, super grateful for her to show me that and I just started picking up some stuff and um, at first that's all it was and I started uh, I was seeing this girl at the time and we kind of would play a little bit but it was, I kn- I wasn't it's not like how it is now it was just it was almost it was very mediocre (laughs) at best and then what happened was um uh when i was 31 uh my mom had recovered from stage 3 breast cancer um but it i'm not even sure if that if that's what it was uh that got it uh so her I was at the garage one night and my mom called me and she's like, my cancer's back. And I went and did that and about a month and a half later she died Um, and it was very difficult for me. Uh, Me and my mom had a very complicated relationship. Uh, My brother and sister were both much closer with her, but my sister's autistic and my brother was having difficulties at the time. And so it essentially fell on me to deal with all of it, mm. and um, yeah, I don't have a very tight family, and my extended family are not people I love being around, except for a couple. There's a couple of them I will associate with. I yeah. don't love being around any of them, <laughs> um, and uh, they, and so it was just a terrible time. I'll give you an example: my grandmother showed up. Uh, and I hadn't seen her in 12 years (laughs) and she just wanted to say really awful things the entire time Mm. Why my mom was like dying in the other room. So that, that entire thing really messed me up. And then like after, after a while, um, It just in my relationship ended after that too. And it's just like a bunch of stuff that was an incredibly brutal time for me. A lot of stuff happened. I wouldn't be able to fit it into this, (laughs) but, um, it was, it was a lot. And so what ended up happening was I leaned into the guitar. Um, I had just a well of grief. Um, it was it was the most brutal time for me and I just spent it I channeled as much as I could into the guitar and I am not exaggerating I probably played for two hours a day for like four years straight <laughs> more than the first year more than that like I would play like for three or four hours a day just because it's all I could do mm. um and uh at first I was playing this like real wonky and I still play it a little bit but I've it's almost like a shitty claw hammer, I like to call it, and uh, and that was cool. But then one day, um, I had this like rhythm in my head, and I can't I couldn't play it like that. And that's when I started doing the finger style, and um, and once I started learning how to play a finger style, I loved it so much that, that like I threw myself completely into it, and I. Like to do roles with it, and um and that's that's kind of it. I just for me, the guitar is it's something I choose to share with people, but that is not my motivation at all yeah um i I would continue to play if no person ever heard my music again. um I have a bunch of songs, uh they all have lyrics to them. uh but they're for me. Um, it's not that I like I don't it's not like I have some kind of weird like, oh this is only for me and this is I I I like to share them with people and there's people I have played for. Um but it is completely a emotional and therapeutic channel for me. Um and <laughs> My, I was talking to my sister and my stepmom one day, and they're like, Ian, you always look so sad when you're playing. <laughs> <laughs> it's because I am. <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, it's. Uh, I guess, like, I don't have. I'm not, in, like. I'm not some island by doing that. Like, everyone plays music for, like, because it's a way to channel emotions and stuff it's just i know a lot of people want to share it and like have the end goal of playing live for people though Mm -hmm. um and i have zero desire to do that it's not that i'm afraid to do it uh you know me i have no problem talking to people and like being in front of people at all um i did play that one show at the west salem public house um, Molly Grace asked me to do, like, an open mic with it. That's right.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I was nervous, but you, you probably wouldn't be able to tell, you know. But I guess everyone's nervous, you know, when they mm-hmm. perform. I know some people who perform all the time that are always nervous, and it's, like, eats them inside, but <laughs> they still get up there and do it. Yeah. Um. But, yeah, I. so I just, you know, I – I just I for me it is the best way to channel this maelstrom that I constantly have inside me. I deal with a lot of um emotional difficulties mm-hmm. and I still do to this day. Um I um you know a a lot of people don't know but I'm like I'm bipolar. And, uh, that was a newer thing that I recently found out. Mm. Um, and which makes a lot of sense as to why I would have to find all these things to channel that into. Um, like I've, I like to run, I'm a pretty avid runner, um, my gardening, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, uh, cause I, I have to, it's the only way I could deal with the like emotional, roller coaster. Um and it's sometimes it works better than others. But mm-hmm. um so but I do like to share it a little bit on Instagram just to show people what I'm doing. Um and mostly I don't know. I don't know why I still do it. Mm. Um I've only gone positive feedback which is probably why I've only had people that were really encouraging and occasionally I have people like oh I just I love hearing when you post I you know uh, somebody told me one time that they find it to be um, almost meditative mm-hmm. uh, God, I didn't say the word right but anyways uh, to, to listen to it and um, I've just heard I've only had one negative feedback about it mm. I mean, you know the person. I'm not going to say who it is. We can talk <laughs> later about it. Um and actually that person contacted me a year later and apologized. Really? <laughs> yeah. Um I was surprised by that too. Huh. Um that I think that they were having a bad time and uh they told me that when I I looked very arrogant when I posted. Interesting. Yeah, they they said that I was arrogant and that um it looked vain. Interesting. Yeah, and I was surprised because I don't know. I mean, I I don't think so. I guess this applies to everyone who plays music, but I don't think I'm good. Mm. <laughs> like, <laughs> I know that sounds like horse shit, <laughs> but I don't look at myself and be like, wow, <laughs> you know, they're going to love this. Yeah. They're yeah. going to love this. It's a banger. <laughs> <I hear you. laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, uh, that doesn't, that doesn't happen for me. Um, and I, but I, I like to share when I come up with something cause I, I share it cause I think it sounds that little piece sounds beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, but I oftentimes will hear the mistakes in it and like I can only it's such a a conflicting thing because I hear the mistakes in everything that I do but no one else does I'm sure this applies to your music too especially when you're recording Mm -hmm. um and so I I like to share it and I I think it's like one of those small things that there are people that really appreciate when you share it Mm -hmm. and it doesn't, you know, some people will look at it as I guess that like the one person, I assume there's probably other people that think that that just don't ever, there's no point in saying it out to me, but the way I think of it is like picking a flower and giving it to someone. I love that. Yeah. Because like some people do appreciate it and they think it's beautiful. Yeah. And, um, And I'm so glad to be able to share something. Um, Playing guitar has been the best gift I have ever given myself. Um, It is, there is a true wonder in being able to create something and share it with people when you choose to. Um, And I like to cultivate uh, and you know there's other things I do that I like to share with people and it's just that with the guitar it really does come from like inside you um and you know I just that's it's it's such a complicated thing for everyone um you know, you once you actually start getting somewhat proficient with the guitar, you kind of pick a lane with it, and eventually start developing your own style. I guess. I I mean, I didn't mean to fall into how I play now. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like, and oh, this is how I'm going to do it. It just did. You just yeah yeah you, you <laughs> you explore a thing. Yeah, I think it's I. If I had to say that I. There was a reason for it. I have short ass fingers, and so I can't like. It's really difficult for me to play bar chords, yeah, <laughs> because I have really short fingers, and. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if you want proof, if you want proof, <laughs> uh, and so I like uh, how I and because of how I learned to play initially with this like this like little hammer on thing. Um, I started doing a lot of hammer ons and pull offs to accentuate my music, and yeah. then I like got real good at timing them with my when I was doing my my rolls. Mm-hmm. And so now it just like has this like full melody situation going yeah, on and very like percussive and active. Yeah, but it's like um, it's rolling and it just like it it's almost throws you into a trance that people have told me that it like thro- almost throws you into a trance. If you just like kind of sit there and listen to it, Yeah. because that's, it is, I don't, you know, I don't go for like big breakdowns or anything. And I, um, you know, I don't actually go through a lot of chord changes either. You know, I, uh, I like to like pick a chord and really explore it and do things like that. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, It's, you know, I think it's cool to do that, too. Um, But I don't I don't plan anything out with my guitar. I didn't plan out my style. I don't. um, I'll just like fiddle around. It's like Bob Ross. Everything interesting I do with guitar was a happy accident. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, (laughs) I uh, I've never once planned out a song other than that one that I mentioned earlier with my mom. Yeah. And um, and what's funny is I can barely play that song now because it's I don't I don't I just don't play like how I did like I guess I gone I don't know why I can't it's too difficult for me now. Um, but it's more of that, my, the way I play now is a little bit more complicated and advanced. And so to go back and do that, it, it hurts my hands. Yeah. Like it literally hurts my hands now. Um, it, because I think that when I was trying to play that, the first, that song the first time, it was just, I did it for so long just to do that one thing that it worked then, mm-hmm. but I can't do it now. Um, but maybe I'll go back and revisit that song. I love playing it. I, I played it a lot when I came up with it, um, because it helped me heal, Yeah, you know? Um, I, I recorded it. The entire reason I did that song is cause, um, I always like to, uh, do a little something for the anniversary of my mom passing away. And, um, I, I wrote, I got Brian to help me, uh, record it. Mm. And, um, and a lot of other people were involved. Um, and I'm thankful for everyone who helped me, but, um, Brian was a, a real, real friend about it and he helped set it up. Um, and, uh, it was cool. I recorded that, I sang it, I hate singing in front of people more than anything. Mm. <laughs> I like I can sing a lot better when I'm not in front of people, but I like, think uh. <laughs> yeah. um but uh it yeah. can be scary. Oh my god. Yeah. 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 I mean it's another it's another instrument. I it people is. do not understand that about <laughs> singing. It is not That when you hear someone who sings really well, it's because they put in the fucking effort. Yeah, (laughs) no one just like pops out. I mean, some people are better at it naturally than others, but you know, uh, you know, have you do you know Dan Brooks?
0: Yeah, I do. Yeah,
1: he uh he should have him on the show.
0: I plan to actually. I I saw him at uh at at the public house a few weeks ago and talked to him and talked to Kevin uh about that Kevin. Kevin, Amy's husband.
1: Oh, uh, Kevin Beck. Kevin Beck. I talked to both of them about it. Um, Dude, Kevin's nasty. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) the whole crew, they're great. Yeah. uh, I've played with Dan more than anyone uh, because uh, Dan and Kevin, uh, they're both classically trained. Dan is a classically trained avant-garde saxophonist though Mm -hmm. uh and Kevin Beck is a uh classical guitarist but they both know all the scales by by heart and so they can just like play with you yeah and it's pretty amazing but anyways uh Dan has the best thing about technical skills uh if somebody's like oh you're just so gifted no I'm not gifted I worked really hard for this (laughs) (laughs) it's like none of this came naturally (laughs) I did this and that's how it feels for singing you know it's like I just, i haven't put the effort in. I, to me, anyone is capable of doing these things. Um, when you see someone doing something cool, you can do it. Yeah. Anyone can do it. Um, it's like my gardening growing plants is everyone's gift. Everyone, um, everyone inherited that. Yeah. So, um, but I just have not chosen to sing a lot. So, um, which is why I don't sing in my videos. Also, I just have really crappy, uh, sure, uh, was it like 57 microphone? Mm-hmm. It works for my guitar, but that's yeah. fine. Yeah, um, but...
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, so, man, one thing I can say that I've enjoyed about this podcast so far is the opportunity to like just pay homage to people's stories and kind of look at a person and I mean and I've known you for a long time now that Mm -hmm. I think about it and I kind of remember uh from a distance like observing you kind of go through different parts of the story that you just told yeah and just I don't know remembering different things and uh I do remember times where there was guitars kind of floating around in the garage after hours or before shows or whatever and anyway it's just interesting to revisit all that and then to see what you're doing with it now and you know to 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 just acknowledge that that story that you've lived, like, matters and is, is interesting and, like, has led to something and led to something that people give a shit about, you know? Mm. And what I enjoy so much about what you're doing is the, the, the word that you pointed out already, like, the meditative thing, the meditative aspect of it. When I watch it, I don't see you and think you look sad. I think you look zoned, at, zoned out and, like, you're meditating. It's almost mm-hmm. like I'm watching you meditate. yeah. And that's what, part of what I found so interesting about having you come over was like, most people I'm going to talk to on this show, what we do is sit around and bitch about not being famous. And we sit around and bitch about not having larger audiences and all this stuff. Reasonable
1: things to bitch about, I guess.
0: It's like, whatever. But what I love so much about what you do is like, you look like somebody who really loves music. And like you, Mm
2: -hmm.
0: it's something really pure about that. And something I think is like it reminds me of when I used to love music more, I think, and in such a pure way without being bogged down by these, you know, what? I should use social media. I should have this many followers and oh, I can't play a show or whatever, like all that shit that that makes you distracted from the whole reason you're doing it in the first place, like getting better at a craft and like honing in on a skill.
1: Yeah, I I don't. Like, I want to be clear. I don't think I have a monopoly on the reason that I do it mm-hmm. the way I do. But um, I I absolutely, like, one of the reasons I don't want to play shows is because I don't want to rob myself of the joy of it and the, what it does for me. Yeah. Like, the second, you know, when you get good at something, people are like, oh, you should find some way to monetize this. Like, you should do this. It's like, no. <laughs> no, I don't need to. This is for me and this is just to enjoy it. And that's how I i feel about it. Like, um, I mean I I am happy when I play guitar, but I'm also sad sometimes and sometimes I'm neutral and sometimes I get frustrated and um and I just wanna let myself float in it. Yeah. Um it's I I just wanna be enveloped like uh most people are used to seeing me post 15 second Instagram videos uh I usually do it once a week now um and uh just f- if anyone cares uh, when you see one of those 15 second videos, that means I've probably been playing for like an hour and a half at that point. You mm. <laughs> <We> found <laughs> yeah. the flower. Yeah, I like, uh, usually those videos are 30 minutes long, <laughs> and I like, just find what I think is like a good 15 seconds to share, <laughs> 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 you know, but like, I won't, I will record myself playing 30 minutes, but generally, I will, f- like, I love playing on my back porch. I have a bunch of, um, plants out back and hang like my back porch is very serene for me. Mm. Um, even though it's in the smack dab in the middle of downtown, (laughs) downtown went to Salem and you can, you can oftentimes see me out there playing and, um, the, uh, so I'll play out there for a long time. And then once I'm you know, you gotta heat the hands up <laughs> and once I, I'm feeling a little bit better I'll go inside and like record mm. record me playing. Um and if it's particularly if I'm feeling it that day, that's when I'll I'll post something. I'll I i do not have a set day to do it or anything. It's just that sometimes I'll do something I'm like, Oh, this is this is cool. Let me let me post it. Yeah. And um I mean I don't normally get feedback from people, so it's not, you know. I'd, I'd say – I don't I don't think I've gotten anyone mentioning anything about my videos in probably, like, two or three months. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, like, it's just not the impetus for why I do it. Um, I don't know. I mean, do you ever, like – whenever you're playing, do you ever, like – hit something like come up something and you're like man I immediately want to like just show people or like share this with someone um yeah
0: man I mean I I you know I mean I like the performance aspect of it mm-hmm. I think that was something I was always drawn to for like the visibility and stuff yeah. and I I like the visibility and you know so often when I create something it's like it's the social media component that I find confusing and weird but Making it visible to people is, is instinctually, instinctually, it's it's immediately what I want to do. I, yeah. I just want to share it with people. If I could choose, if I just had a built-in audience of 100 people outside and could walk outside on a stage and play it immediately, <laughs> that's probably what I would do, but I don't have that option, so mm-hmm. social media is what I would what I have to use sometimes.
1: Um, I do occasionally get random people at that dog park below mine. Oh, Yeah. Yeah. And so I live right beside a dog park <laughs> in my in my in my porch. Uh, if anyone who lives downtown know should would know where I where I live if I by describing this. I live ov- over a dog park, and my porch like looks over it, and um, I will be p- up there playing, and occasionally like, and this happens. F- Pretty, pretty frequently. I'll have like somebody yell up from the dog park. Oh, that was that was really nice guitar. (laughs) (laughs) So I guess I'm I have a captured audience there. (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, Yeah. uh, uh, It's it's funny. I've got to be like this like weird hipster Wilson you know, from, like, um, Home Improvement. Yeah. yeah. Or a neighbor. Uh, yeah, because I'm, like, I'm either, like, playing guitar up on the porch or I'm, like, in my garden down there gardening, doing stuff. Yeah. And um, and people just, like, come talk to me. <laughs> like, sometimes I don't want to talk, like, but sometimes I do. And it's fine. Um, yeah. I. Uh, uh, it's so weird to call yourself a hipster because I don't <laughs> – think of myself as a hipster but i yeah know, people call me a hipster what do you th- how do you define hipster anymore i don't, yeah it's just a stupid <laughs> fucking word i used to see a chart i remember
0: seeing a chart a long time ago on the on yeah. on the the thing there was a thing called the internet oh. and I, I saw it on there <laughs> it was it was like it was basically a chart that explained that hipster was just relative to everybody else so then there'd be like a person in a leather jacket and jeans with a motorcycle and that yeah. was a hipster according to the person in the like wool sweater with the frizzy hair and the beard but he was a hipster according to the whatever to the person in chucks and a pink t-shirt and a mohawk like everybody's a hipster to somebody else.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah, I mean <laughs> it's all recycled. That's yeah. what people don't fucking get is this shit is so Overly recycled. I mean, the word hipster comes from hippies, right? And it was like, and hippies come from beatniks. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's nothing is original. Like, it, it, don't lie to your don't. No one should lie to themselves. Like, <laughs> Try not nothing. To. Yeah, nothing is original. Everything is just rehashed, and you're just picking interesting pieces and putting them together. Yeah. Um. And that's fine. That is the like. That is creativity, though. I mean. You know, I'm sure there's some really interesting original things out there somewhere, but, like, most of what we're doing is kind of rehashed, and and that's every part of culture. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. No, I mean, not at all. It's a yeah, because maybe somebody has an interesting idea, but they're not really cool at conveying it, and somebody else sees it, copies it, reiterates it, and makes it actually fucking wild you know (laughs) nothing wrong it's improving
0: yep so i mean the context in which a thing can be you know can change it entirely
1: um i mean like i mean you look at the guitar it's just that like first off the guitar is just an amazing interesting instrument because you can do so much with it i mean just the way that uh i somebody like me, or you can pick it up and make it sound so wildly different, just playing the same chords, you Mm -hmm. know? Um, and then like, I, the way I play is I'm playing these roles, which are, you know, roles are normally associated with like a banjo. Yeah. And, um, and then I am just like listening to other people. Like my, some of my inspirations are like iron and wine, um, you know, I, I remember I tried to when I first started playing guitar. I tried to learn how to play "Naked as We Come." Mm. There's a game. "Naked as It Came." Naked as We Came. Yeah. Yeah. And I could not play that shit at no. all. And then like three years later, I revisited it, and I had shot straight the fuck <laughs> over it. I was That's like, <laughs> and yeah. I was like, well, this is pretty cool. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, <laughs> pretty clear sign of growth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like I've like I watched. Like, I learned from that stuff, though, and, like, you know, I, without even meaning to, I definitely took stuff that he did in his songs and, like, kind of incorporated it into some of my songs, mm-hmm. but made it different, you know? It's not, like, a one-to-one replication. Yeah. But, um, or, like, <coughs> one of the people that I love listening to is Talons Van Zandt, you know? And um, uh, his song Lungs. It's got some sweet-ass slides in it, mm. and I try to do that in some of my songs, um, but I don't feel like I'm, like, directly copying, you know? Right. I'm just iterating. Learning. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, being, being. Yeah. you know, affected by other people's progress. Like, yeah. there's nothing.
0: I, people do get hung up on that, especially in music. Like, mm-hmm. everything has to be me. It's all about my accomplishment, but it's like, yeah. dude, this has been going on for centuries. Like Yeah. We've been fucking with music for a very long time. It's We're not going to... It's not going to reach its peak with whatever you come up with just now. Like, we're all in this together, and we're having fun with yeah. it, you know?
1: And I would... Yeah, and I would say the the lower you get on the totem pole with music, the more original you get, because when you get to, like, super famous people, they have... I don't know if... I assume most people realize this, but there are people that mm-hmm. don't. Like, when you get to the super famous, like, top-tier people, they have teams of like dozens to hundreds of people behind them making those sounds, the songs sound good. Yeah. Like there's nothing original about them. <laughs> they are literally designed to connect with your brain. Yeah. You know, like, Absolutely. yeah. And I mean, that's, that, that, that's fine. Um, but there's, you know,
0: I think it's really interesting what you point out. That's exactly right. It's like in the hierarchy of success, mm-hmm. it isn't, the most successful or the most like broadly appealing stuff is not the most original or unique. It is the most, it's like the Walmart of music. It Mm -hmm. has, it has what appeals to the most people to try to capitalize on it from the most people. Like that's what it's designed for. And, and that,
1: and I, I want to be clear. That's not like a a criticism or yeah, it's not a moral statement. Yeah. It's (laughs) yeah. I, 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 there is a place for all of this stuff and not everyone is involved with music as I am. And that's fine. Like people, um, the vast majority of people don't want to listen to like original music or like super in like different music. They want to listen to music to have a good time and relax and fuck. Yeah. More power to them. Yeah. You know, and, like, yeah, that's great. Cause that's what music means to them. And you can't rob people of that. There's nothing wrong with feeling that way. Yeah. Um, Straight up. Yeah. Like, i who am i or who are you to judge someone for what they enjoy you mm-hmm. know um i remember when i was younger i used to like think that i knew things and be like oh <laughs> yeah. this is stupid i <laughs> this is this is so this is stupid but the reason i came to this like i in for a long time right yeah and uh you get people that order the most disgusting drinks mm. or like try to look really flashy. And it's like, I, I remember one time I was bartending and somebody ordered a top shelf LIT. That shit doesn't exist. <laughs> it's stupid. Like mm. it'd be like a $30 drink, you know? And <laughs> now we're talking Winston Salem prices. We're not talking like New York city right. where $30 is reasonable. <laughs> um, and it's just that eventually I'm just like, well more power to them. You know, it's like this person is spending their money to get whatever the hell they want. And I remember specifically the drink that broke me on this Mm. that made me just be like, you know what? Fuck yeah. This person's (laughs) enjoying it. I had somebody order Corona with grenadine in it. Huh? Yeah. And I was once I was done being repulsed, (laughs) I I was like, all right, fuck yeah. (laughs) I, he, that person is smiling, drinking that. (laughs) And, uh, and, and then I realized, I was like, I can, I, there's so much shit that I consume food and drink and, you know, uh, art that other people would be repulsed by. I think that is like, you know, um, and all of a sudden I just realized who the fuck am I to like have any opinion on what anyone does with themselves or You know. Mm. And once I came to that my life got a lot better.
0: Peaceful life. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. it's weird to be like at war with people's tastes. Yeah. It's just not a necessary war.
1: It's so unnecessary. It (laughs) is so unnecessary. Let people enjoy what they want to enjoy because you have no fucking right to have an opinion on somebody else's tastes. Yeah.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. Really. Yeah. It's it's like are you gonna get mad at someone for not liking pickles? Yeah. Like, it's literally a taste, yeah. a, 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 a different development of taste, and it's it, it's even more subjective than that within the art and within mm. music and stuff. It's yeah. just like it doesn't make a difference. No one now, has to if like you're the
1: same dating shit. someone who uh-huh. likes pickles, you might have a, a right to have an opinion on it. Mm. If you don't like the taste of pickles and then you have to kiss somebody that likes, it, mm. I've never run into this. I yeah, just want to be clear. I don't have this issue, <laughs> but I can assume that would be one of the few times, <laughs> I mean, it might make a difference. <laughs> you know, uh, sorry to, yeah, I didn't mean to torpedo you, torpedo you there, but like, <laughs> no, that's, that's pretty valuable. That's, yeah. I mean,
0: in that vein, Mm -hmm. Well, that's interesting. I guess relationships change the whole equation. Yeah, If you
1: have to spend a lot of time with someone, if you go on on a road
0: trip with someone and they want to like listen to a music that you hate, then you might be at war. So I guess that's where it starts to get a little
1: froggy. (laughs) (laughs) Traveling with people and being in close proximity to people for quite a while. I have a coworker that loves listening to German pop music and uh, more power to them. (laughs) but then I don't have to deal with it anymore cuz I don't work on the floor anymore mm. at the place I work at but um they still do and it, I, but when I used to work on the floor I would have to listen to German pop music for 6 hours straight yeah mm. I put that <laughs> and yeah. so I guess what the point I'm I'm trying to make <laughs> is that while I'm not judging them for their tastes <laughs> yeah the fact that I'm being <laughs> I might not have to deal, I shouldn't have to deal with it, which I think is a pretty big critique of the larger American, um, culture wars, you know? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. for sure. So, so
0: the, the, and the, I can, so, uh, you mentioned where you work and I was wondering, should we, should we leave work? Should we leave like the name of where you work out or anything? Oh, they wouldn't care. Okay.
1: Yeah. I work at Camino bakery. Mm (laughs) Mm-hmm I'm uh I'm the coffee director for Camino Bakery, which means I, I, I actually think I'm the only person in winston Salem with that job title. By the way, yeah. Um, it is so I am uh, essentially like a. The best I people really don't understand what I do. Um, the best I can explain to people is that I'm like a coffee sommelier. Okay. Um. Yeah. So I train all of the baristas. But I also know how, like, I know a ton of different ways to brew coffee, but I know, like, the science behind it. And when I say brewing coffee, like, um, I can look at somebody's equipment and tell them the optimal way to brew it with the equipment they have. But I also, like, you know, we're talking pour overs, aero presses, like... If you know what a pour-over is, I know, like, dozens of different ways to do a pour-over. Um, I can look at coffee beans and look at, like, the roast level and give you idea of uh, the optimal um, ratio to brew that. So, like, the input of coffee to water, um, and then, like, it, we would have it, and then I would— so you're like, oh, we should change this to bring out this flavor. Um I I could go this could be its own podcast. Yeah. Um, it really probably should be. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like um, how did how did how did you learn all this? Uh so I when I was working at the garage, right? Yeah. When my mom passed away, um, I managed to continue to work at the garage for a couple of months but as anyone who's worked in a music venue knows, it is fucking stressful. Hmm. Uh, It is chaotic and not good for someone who's going through an absolutely life-changing grief-induced event. Yeah. um, Inducing. Uh, And so I left. Um, I actually had just graduated uh, from Forsyth Tech because I had gone back to school and I was planning on transferring. And, um, And so... I was going through all that. I just finished school and I got a job at Camino as a at the time I thought it was an interim thing. Mm. But once I realized how cool to me, I don't expect anyone else to appreciate it the way I do, but I love specialty coffee because there's a lot of science behind it. It's like a rabbit hole. Um, there's for me, it's an, there's an ethical foundation for it. Um, depending on who you're working with, you can ensure that um, the producers of coffee are getting paid a fair Amount for what they produce, hmm. and so um, you know, we get our coffee from a, a roaster called Counterculture out of Durham, and they um, they have what's called the transparency report, and they're the uh, industry leader on showing like what they're paying for uh, their coffee through the entire supply chain, paying like where it comes. Like, yeah, yeah so country. like I, the supply chain is fairly complex, but um, a lot of people you'll never know how much the people who actually grew the coffee get paid and depending on where it's from it can be nothing Mm. Um, there are uh, in the coffee industry especially in places like Brazil there is active slave labor Um, and it like uh, some of the nationwide chains uh, have been caught using slave labor Mm. I don't I honestly don't think that they realize it was happening those supply chains for them are so big that it's like but that doesn't absolve it. Yeah. Um, and so like a perfect example is the uh, Peruvian coffees are coming out right now, uh, single origins. Uh, and so a single origin, especially coffee would be like a, um, f- it'd be like a 10, five to 10 square miles of where the coffee is from because coffee is much like wine where the terroir of it affects the flavors of it. And so uh, especially coffee is roasted lighter. So you can actually taste that stuff. Mm. Uh, The reason that old school coffee is really dark is to burn all of the like uh, intrinsic flavors out. So it has a uniform flavor. Um, And so especially coffee and the way that coffee, uh, so the supply chain is developed nowadays, we can get really cool coffees Um, I mean, this goes way, this is like the surface I'm touching on. It is incredibly, it is a very intense industry and, Mm -hmm. um, there, it goes very high. There, there are uh, lots of coffee that go for thousands, tens of thousands of dollars, um, for like a, you know, a 50 pound bag. Really? Yes. Jesus Um, Christ. Because it's just so highly sought after. Um, and, um, but what's cool about it is you can, uh, feel like the Peruvian coffees are out right now. And at Camino, we have a coffee, uh, that is, um, sold by counterculture, uh, and it's a single farmer lot. So all the beans are from this guy's farm. His name is Damien, uh, Espinoza and he's from Northern Peru. Um, I went to a talk from the exporters for this coffee and was able to hear, and these people know him personally. And, um, With because of his contract with this company and this company's contract with counterculture, this guy's income like doubled or tripled, and he was making uh, I think it was like 50 soles a month. Uh, that comes out to about 20 bucks for his family of like eight, Mm. and so he went up from like making 20 bucks to like making 60, which is a huge impact from where he lives. I know it doesn't sound like a lot, but like to take it, go back to where I was starting off at working, especially coffee. If you know where you're working and who you're working with, you can have a very strong ethical foundation in what you're doing. Yeah. And that's why it's important to me. Um, I know that I'm helping. So I know it's a small thing, but like helping these developing communities, uh, bring money in and it's if it, it, I like that. Yeah. Um, and especially not
0: hurting them in the industry that could, yes. Cause
1: these people get taken advantage of very easily. Yeah. Yeah. Um, especially with like, <sighs> yeah, that it, it's, it's so easy. Uh, you know, they'll lose crop. It takes five years for a coffee plant to start producing fruit. Um, and of course, there's a lot of pests coffee um coffee is susceptible to a lot of diseases and pests because Mm. the most of the coffee plants in the world come from a handful of coffee plants that were um smuggled out of yemen by jesuit priests (laughs) <laughs> to the island of java <laughs> that's where the really name, yes that's why it's called java Holy shit! Uh, well, the island was named java beforehand but that's why you'll hear coffee called java yeah yeah um catholics <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, epic yeah and so uh the uh, the ottoman empire had the uh clamp the lockdown on caught co- the coffee trade for the longest time. Mm. And that's why the Jesuit priests were trying so hard. They tried so many times to get it out of there and it finally took root. Um And uh so it, the, the coffee plant is susceptible because there's not a lot of genetic diversity in it. Coffee is from Ethiopia. I see. Mm-hmm. And uh, before I go on, I'll stop talking about coffee. But I'm digging this. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this is so interesting. Uh, to me. Uh, but the, uh, um, just so we were aware, uh, coffee is fucked with uh, the global warming or uh, climate change. Uh, most coffee is grown around almost ever, all coffee is grown around the equator because it needs a very consistent temperature mm. year round to not die. It cannot handle cold weather. Mm. Um and, uh, the equator is the first region. The regions around the equator are going to be the ones that are primarily hit by climate change first. And so we won't be able to have coffee. In what? In how long? I mean, I'm, I won't even, <laughs> I won't even fathom a guess there because I don't want to put any dangerous half-truths out there that, <laughs> okay. uh, like, I don't want somebody to, but it. <laughs> I've heard different ranges, but it could, it'll probably be decades, but you know, decades being, it could be 10, could yeah. be 20, 30, but it coffees want to be one of the first major items to go. And, um, that's terrifying for a lot of reasons because coffee is the third most traded commodity on the planet. Think about wow. how many people will lose their livelihoods. Wow.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And like if we're i mean I can't imagine how many billions are are like spent around the world on yeah. coffee every year, and the supply chains that you're talking about, like if all of like how many people must be involved in that industry
1: you can't harvest coffee well some you mostly cannot harvest coffee with a machine, yeah, it's all picked by hand, huh, so many people depend on the coffee for their livelihood it's a unfathomable amount of people yeah wow yeah so um
0: i you know i've 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 had a lot of friends work in coffee and mm -hmm. talk about the industry of coffee and i don't think i've ever ever even tried to comprehend comprehend how vast of an industry that must be it's huge yeah
1: yeah because like you know you we work down, like we go to coffee shops, stuff like that, and so we see all this like fancy, bougie, specialty coffee stuff. But like, think about Folgers and like all these other coffee places. Like millions of people work in just farming it mm-hmm. across the planet. Like it's it's just one. Of, it's so brutal to think. Um, and hopefully, hopefully we do stuff, something about it. So but to take a couple of steps back, uh I love to when I find something I enjoy doing, I love to throw my like I said to you earlier before we started recording, I throw myself into things and yeah. um I found the once I like scratched the surface of specialty coffee, I realized that I really, really loved it. Um and I threw myself into it and I got I mean, there's people There's always going to be somebody better than you, no matter what you do, (laughs) unless you're Usain Bolt (laughs) or Wayne Gretzky, (laughs) you know, uh, I think statistically Wayne Gretzky is like the most successful athlete of all time. Really? Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Like, uh, if even if you took like half of his like points away, he's still the number one. <laughs> like it's crazy.
0: Really? Us. Yeah, but like uh, how the ratios compare. Yeah, just like to the, the,
1: even if you like mix up the statistics a little bit and take away some of the stuff, he's still number one. Hmm. It's crazy. Um. Anyways, I don't. I don't know enough about that to go into it too deep. But, um. But. Yeah, so I I throw myself in and yeah. get into it, you know. Same what, thing with the guitar.
0: Random curiosity, but what is like a, what's your coffee setup at your house? Like, what is your what is your deal?
1: Okay, uh, well, like I said, I there's way, different ways to brew coffee. Mm-hmm. Um, currently I have a uh, fourth generation AeroPress, which it doesn't really matter what generation is; it just means that it uses recycled plastics. Um, I have a origami dripper. Uh, it's produced in Japan. It's a ceramic dripper. Uh I have a fellow um uh EKG f- kettle. So it's got like a variable temperature control mm. and hold. Um and then I like to use um Hario Zero Two paper filters, bleached, <laughs> not the unbleached ones. Uh and my grinder. Uh, because I just brew coffee at home, I don't try to even play with espresso because I have insane amounts of espresso <laughs> equipment at work. I can do whatever I want with Uh I just use uh, Baratta Encore. Yeah. Which, if uh, of you. Of know, course. Yeah, Baratta. <laughs> <No, I don't laughs> of know. course. I don't know why. If, I'm if you worked that. in the coffee industry, that would literally be your response. You see how it didn't even phase me? Yeah. <laughs> of course. Because <laughs> Baratta Encore is the best grind, like entry gotcha. level grinder. Not even entry level, like. You don't. No one needs something fancier than that if they're just grinding coffee at home. Mm. So, um, and uh, my scale. This is something that most people don't have at home, but they should if they want to do specialty coffee. You have to have a scale mm. because you don't do co- coffee by volume. Um, you do it by weight. You're trying to do like you want. You want to be able to replicate your results like in the empirical empirical method. Um, and so like. You have ratios and like the inputs, like, you know, um, most coffee is brewed between a one to 16 ra- or one to 18 ratio. And so it's one part coffee to 16 parts water. And, um, and so you have to have a scale to do that, mm. but you also have a window of time that you want to brew it because there's an optimal extraction rate for coffee. And, um, which is 22%. <laughs> uh, and that and Uh is not the total dissolved solids. Um, uh, and so you have to, and so I have a, uh, Brewista scale, which is my favorite. A lot, most, most people in the industry, if you get a fancy scale, you get the Akaya Pearl, but I think those things are hot garbage. They mm-hmm. have the worst fucking UI on the planet. So... <laughs> Come at me. (laughs) There's just, there's no buttons on it. There's no tactile or like response to it. And they break really easily. So Uh, man, I,
0: I, I, when I hear people approach things this way to this level of detail and this like fine of an understanding of stuff, I honestly envy it and I, I meet a lot of people like this and it's like people find their calling all over the place. I do a lot of AV tech right now mm. and the guy I work with alongside is that in that world and it's like and and those people are all over the place like people specialized for things and I tend to not I don't I just don't have I don't know if it's the interest or discipline for like that fine of a specialized uh, investment of time into a particular field or something but when you talk about this i just like i i borrow the excitement for it like i don't know yeah. i don't know all this shit but i love hearing somebody just be so specialized about a topic
1: yeah it's fun. um i just it's to me it's just really easy to remember and i love sharing it with people um especially if you know uh, I don't know if this is, like, a developed skill from my years in the service industry, but um pretty good at reading people and telling if they're, like, genuinely interested mm. or at least, like, hearing what you're saying. And so if somebody's listening to me, I will talk about this for so long and, like, really engage with them. Mm. Um, I've, I've heard from my coworkers when I'm training baristas, one of the things that is commonly said is that, like, my enthusiasm and excitement kind of, like, um, gets painted onto the people and they're like, Oh, this is cool. You know? Um, but I absolutely totally, like I totally get it. If someone doesn't share my enthusiasm for Um. them, um, my main focus with coffee, um, besides the ethical foundation is being inclusive. Um, you see a lot of competition in the coffee industry. There's Mm. like, uh, you know the world coffee championships and stuff like that um they have one for the roasting they have one for baristas and then they have one for um latte art being do, doing latte art's super impressive and like obviously i think it's but there's like being someone who can like knows the science in brewing coffee is a separate thing and a lot of people don't realize that.
2: Mm.
1: Yeah. Be, like being just cause you see somebody who can do really good latte art doesn't mean they're a good barista by the way. And most of the time when you see some latte art online, it means like that to be able to do the latte art like that means you kind of fucked up that drink. <laughs> 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 it's not like, it's not servable. Cool. Um, good to know. But no, but that is like an intense skill and it means a lot. Mm. It just doesn't naturally necessarily, necessarily like Boilay. transfer into. Yeah. yeah. Um, and roasting is its own science and that's like that's phew, i can't even handle that mm. um but uh yeah uh i think it's just so much fun to share things with people um like i said earlier like um oh you were
0: going to say uh you were going to say about competition that yeah yeah oh yeah so, oh, yeah,
1: yeah 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 so sorry well tangent um the comp- like i don't like i think competitions fun but, like, not everything has to be a competition. Yeah. And, and so there's, like, especially with a market like Winston-Salem, a lot of people don't know what specialty coffee is. And um, we have other people doing it now, but Camino really was, like, one of the first people doing it um, and introducing people to it. And my so one of my main focuses has always been inclusivity and being able to, like, not gatekeep with it and not be like super pretentious about it and show people why tasting notes are tasting notes and how you, anyone can learn them. Yeah. And like, you know, it's like tasting notes. It's about having the vocabulary to explain what you're tasting. It's not, Oh, I mean, um, it's like same thing with wine. The reason that these people know what these, the wine tastes like is they've worked hard to develop the palate, like by drinking a lot of wine and not getting hammered but drinking it and also teaching themselves the vocabulary of what they're tasting like they know exactly what a mandarin orange tastes like or um, they know what uh, paraffin tastes like or stuff like that like almond paste um, there's a bunch of crazy tasting that's like mm. you, you, any what you are tasting no one can tell you you're wrong and so like um one of the cool things about doing coffee is you get you go to these uh, coffee tastings where our, it's called a cupping and they um not so much since covid but like they have these cups out and you go through uh, different stages and you um you smell the, the ground coffee or like the brewed coffee and you ever, no one talks why it's happening after until after each stage. And then you share your notes like, Oh, this is what I smelled. And that's how they get the, the stuff on the bag. It's not from drinking it. It's mostly from smell. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I'll do I'll have you over to Camino sometime. I'll show you exactly what I'm talking about. I would love that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, um, but so a lot, a lot of that stuff can be intimidating for people. And so I try to be able to explain what it's about really quickly, uh, concisely and, uh, welcome in a welcoming fashion. So, mm-hmm. cause usually it's like you're across the counter from someone and you get like, maybe these old people from the country in there and they're like, Oh, this is what I like. They're like, well, here, let me show you this other stuff and it's okay if they don't like it, but at least you took the time to show them and um, or like you can direct them to a different thing. Like um, I just, I just want to be able to share these things because at the end of the day, the more of some of this coffee I can sell, the more I'm helping some of these developing communities. Yeah. It's a nice back and Mm -hmm. forth. Well, yeah. I mean,
0: I think the spirit under what you're talking about is I think the best part of of a of a city environment. And I've like kind of hate I hate to admit that I've taken some opportunities to like well, I don't hate to admit it, whatever. I have some criticisms, I suppose, of patterns in communities. Just mm-hmm. like just like I could sit here and bitch a little bit about the major patterns I see north of us in King or somewhere. Kang? I bitch I mean, up in <laughs> King. <laughs> I bitch about Winston sometimes too, but yeah. the stuff that you're talking about, the craft uh and artisan places, the attention to quality and detail and stuff, that's what I love most about mm-hmm. the downtown community and the the things that are available down there and all the crafters that are in like I just went to I just went to um uh I I, I cannot remember Broad Branch. Jesus. I just went to Broad Branch for the mm-hmm. first time and like tasted their stuff and that was just so much so much so superior to like other whiskeys and other bourbons that i've had you know uh stuff like the coffee that we have in town the beers the craft beers and stuff and getting explained like all the different things that people try with those and the inventive innovative stuff they come up with yeah same as art same as Pizza, like uh, it's like Mission Pizza or whatever. Oh yeah,
1: Payton, that Mission Pizza. I that's I respect Payton so much because he doesn't give a fuck. (laughs) He respects his craft. Yeah, and now I mean, obviously he is a. Divisive person because of his um, interactions with customers, but I respect him for (laughs) it. (laughs) Uh, Anyone who's worked in the service industry respects him for it because people are awful. Um, And most normal people who haven't worked in it don't really see how... the entitlement of people. Oh yeah. But um like a, a great if anyone wants to try it check out a different coffee shop that I think is amazing besides Camino, Say So Coffee. Yeah, I just uh, went there Yeah, Kylan down at the yesterday. public house dude knows what he's doing. Yeah. Um and uh Anchor Coffee just opened up uh um in Bailey Park. Uh uh Derek Smith is the GM. Uh that dude knows way more than I ever will. Mm. Um and uh both of them are super talented. Um, if you got like variety is the spice of life, you know. Yeah. Um, um respect where it's due. Yeah. And uh, you know, if what's also cool about going to different coffee shops is they have different roasters. And so the roasters, the way that the roasters choose to express their coffee is different than others. Like um Kylan uses say so I'd uh, say so he uses a uh, black and white coffee out of Wake Forest, the town. Um and black and white super cool and they've got a lot of interesting stuff and uh they're uh on the leading edge of uh some really fascinating things and I like I'm not going to go into it cuz it'll I'll go on a tangent again but like the roasters are able to uh find ways to express the flavor of these coffees themselves and it's just super fascinating and then you get the barista who gets this coffee and they choose how to express it because like i can change the flavor of a coffee by how i'm brewing it Mm. Um, especially if i'm doing like a pour over or um espresso and uh it's it's pretty wild when you actually have a like knowledgeable person doing this for you because no like 99.99% of people have never had that experience where a skilled barista will make slight changes and show you how it affects the flavor. Mm. Um, Those tasting notes, like, you can hone in on them instead of it just, like, tasting, like, you know, people think of espresso as being super strong and like, oh, unbearable. But it doesn't have to be that way, and a skilled barista can make it not taste like that. Um, but it takes a considerable amount of effort and um, skill to do it that way. But also, that's where the artist in nature comes in. There's a scientific background to doing that. But you, um, but say somebody like Kylan let's Say So, the dude knows what he's fucking doing. Mm. And he can take the coffee from uh, Black and White and just dial that shit in. And it tastes amazing. And like he'll get like a natural sun dried from Africa that's been uh, with the anaerobic process. Uh, the process is how you get the coffee bean out of the cherry mm. um, and he'll just make that thing taste so good and they have different equip- equipment there uh, than we have at Camino and just like watching that how they utilize their equipment to do it is cool you know they've got a, Sl- a Slayer espresso machine uh, I think they use a EK43 grinder um, for their espresso grinder it's just fascinating yeah yeah
0: I dig that. So, uh, I guess the only other the only other curiosity I had about coffee was just no. like, if you have anything to say, like what, what what your preference might be, as far as like understanding what people are doing with like specialty drinks, like where they, they might come up with a concoction like a mm-hmm. coffee cocktail versus you know a cappuccino or a latte or an espresso. Like, what do you what is your pref- what is your preferred sort of uh, like way to enjoy coffee
1: i drink black coffee generally and like uh i mean preferred i always just do a pour over but um the if i'm going to get something with steamed milk in it i get a cortado um which is uh So espresso drinks are also based off ratios. That's why you can't get a 20-ounce cappuccino. Mm. A cappuccino is uh, like a one-part espresso brewed espresso to 2 parts steamed milk. Mm. And it it also has... (laughs) (laughs) That was so cute. (laughs) This dog is so full of shit. (laughs) Done. Oh my God. Yeah, I see you. Hold on. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, so, cortado is equal parts. Mm. And it's like a thinly steamed milk. So, cortados are really hard to make too, properly. Mm. I mean, you, somebody will make one and they'll be like, oh, it's cortado. And you'll be like, okay, whatever. <laughs> but uh, an actual, like, really good cortado is so hard to make because you have to steam, the, you, get, you create what's called microfoam. And a microphone, uh, there's no, you can't see the bubbles in microphone. Mm. And so, um, it, that means like the air, it's been aerated all the way equally through the milk. And so, but to do a uh, cortado, you're supposed to have it th- like silky. Um, and so like a cappuccino is much easier to do. Mm. Um, and so not only is it a skill thing, but it's also like super good because there are, um, the cortado, being an equal part ratio with the espresso, it doesn't dominate the flavor of the espresso, it only serves to complement it. And so, there's naturally occurring sugars in milk, especially after you steam it, it breaks uh, certain molecule bonds that hmm. makes it actually just a little bit sweeter. Hmm. Um, and so it accentuates the flavor of uh, the espresso. And if you're drinking really well dialed in espresso, it tastes fucking amazing. So, yeah, and so. If I was just getting a drink, those are the two I'd prefer, or just straight espresso. Um, like, if I was going to say so, I would get a Cortado or mm-hmm. a Pour Over. Um, nice. Because I know I'm going to get a quality one over there. Um, now, coming up with, like, specialty drinks, that's a completely different ball <laughs> ball game. Like, uh, there, there's just different things to do with it. Um, like, uh, I just finished the Camino. I'm the one who comes up with Caminos. Uh, seasonal menu. Oh, obviously. really? Yeah. Cause I'm the coffee director. <laughs> that's what I do. <laughs> um, we, uh, <laughs> I like to use like bitters in it. I, uh, we have a cherry cappuccino coming out. So it's like bitters in this cherry syrup that me and the kitchen manager came up with. Um, you know, it's not mind blowing, but it's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, um, uh, you, you know, you just kind of, this isn't one of those iteration things. Yeah. I mean, like, I'll definitely look around and see, not locally, but I'll, I, n- I never try to steal people's drinks locally or anything. Yeah. I've seen people steal ours, so. though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's fine. Uh, <laughs> when you're on top, you're on top.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, yep. um, never mind. There's
0: a quote like that. It's like, you, anyway, I can't remember it, but you, yeah, you're right. <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, but, um, The, uh, there's just cool stuff and there's, it's an endless amount of creativity that comes into it. Like, um, one of the coolest things I saw, I've seen is I have to think of, I'll never remember why I'm uh, here, but, uh, there was a cortado with, um, sweetened condensed milk and, uh, cracked pepper in it. Mm. And it was, I made it for myself one time and it was so fucking good. Mm. Uh, and I tried to copy it. I failed so hard though. (laughs) I well, I have to think of like brewing, like how to make a drink at three different locations, four now because we have the um, Wake Forest library location. Yeah, they all have different equipment and like different skill sets with the baristas, and so I have to like think about reasonable ways that I can make something. Yeah. If I had a shop with six people on it, it would be a completely different game. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I would be able to do like some real fancy shit, but that's just, you know, you, you deal with what you have and I love Camino and Camino is a great business. And like, I'm so privileged and lucky to work there and I do my best with what we have there. Yeah. So, Because Camino is straight grassroots. Like, Camino has never gotten any outside capital. Everything that is at Camino is because of the owners there and how much hard work they've gotten into it. No one's getting rich at Camino. Carrie Clifford, who started it, is one of the most upstanding people I've ever met. And to the day I die, she'll be one of my number one inspirations. Um, But there's three other owners at Camino, and they're all super amazing. So, but carries want to start it, and so like because there's like not outside cash coming in, like a lot of places is pretty obvious that they had like big bank roller, mm-hmm. like a lot of people invested. When I go into a shop and I see really really nice equipment and everything's like pristine looking, I'm like, man, this is gonna fucking suck, mm-hmm. because generally it's some rich person or like it's just like. <sighs> Now, that's a mixed bag. I I should I shouldn't have said that really, but like <laughs> a lot of times when you see some really fancy equipment they don't know how to use it. Yeah. Or like use it effectively. Yeah. Because, you know, I mean, it's just some rich person.
0: I think that all that that's a lot of uh, other stuff too. That's a lot of other fields too. Like if yeah. I am I don't know. I'm not that surprised, I guess. It's not always because, you know, like really great, I don't know, really great guitarist or some shit might have a really nice rig, but I'm not that shocked if I see somebody who seems to like put more, their attention seems to be much more on their presentation than on Mm. their quality. Yeah. And then like they have some beautiful strat or something and some orange amp and their hair is like really like spot on.
1: Oh, I saw those at the garage.
0: <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. You know, it's that's how it goes yeah. sometimes. Some people just invest in the 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 appearance
1: more so than the craft. Yeah. You know? Yeah. For sure. Yeah, man. When I was at the garage, some of those people had their their merch game was so tight. <laughs> yeah. Too bad it wasn't tight on stage. <laughs> <laughs> Do you yeah. ever miss
0: the garage days?
1: I do um I miss working with Tucker, yeah, uh Tucker was a stand up dude uh I, you know, I enjoyed working with Tucker a lot um i just i do, I miss it, but the thing is those last couple of months I was so fucked up in my head that it just it's hard not to see it as a nightmare now. Mm. And it's not because the garage was an actual nightmare or anything. It's because it warped my perception Mm. and it's, I don't know if I can handle an environment like that anymore. Yeah. And so like, and I'm too much of an adult and reasonable person now to not let that be like how I view it. Yeah. Yeah. Like I just can't imagine going back into a situation like that. Like I'll never bartend anywhere again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I just don't like bartending. Like I barely drink. And if you don't drink and you bartend drunk, people come way more obnoxious. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs>
1: <sighs> what, h- don't cut me. Why you cut me up <groans>
0: God. Yeah. Come yeah. I mean, <laughs> if they're not like, if they're not the people you associate with the money you're leaving with, What is the fucking point of having to deal with all that?
1: I will tell you, though, the one thing I do miss about the garage is telling people to fuck off. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I could do whatever I wanted at the garage, and you get these fucking assholes come in there, and they'd be like... I remember this one time. It's one of my favorite memories of the garage. (laughs) This guy came up to the bar, and he was tapping on the bar. He's like tapping on the bar and I like was helping the people at the bar that were there before him and he kept tapping and I fucking turn around like listen asshole I fucking see (laughs) you I'm going to help these people and then I'll fucking get to (laughs) you tap again and I'm going to kick you the fuck out
0: (laughs) no more tapping
1: no more tapping
0: yeah I remember once I mean at a big show I think it was one of my CD releases it might not have been it might have just been a regular show I can't remember, but I remember, I remember seeing some people. I think I was like walking out of sound check and I was probably going to get a coffee or something. Mm-hmm. And I saw some people and they were like, Hey, and they, they knew me from King. And I like felt bad about it after the, after the fact, I guess it wasn't on me. It was just like, I, I saw that it was unfortunate, but they they saw me. They were like, hell yeah, we're going to your fucking show. woo!" And it was like four people, rednecks. I was like, cool. They knew me from somewhere. I disappeared. I came back and Tucker was like, "Man, you really bring out a uh, you really bring out all them like redneck assholes." And I was like, "What do you mean?" He was like, "Some motherfuckers came in here and he was like, "Some some people came in here and as soon as I, as soon as I like opened the door, they were like, When's this place fucking open? Why don't y'all run this
1: place like a real business or something? And I was like, Oh shit. And he was like Man, I know Tucker and that just that (laughs) shit'll set Tucker off. Anyone cushions his like business, how he runs that place, he that's that's like zero to a million for him. (laughs) I mean, they got kicked out before the
0: before doors even opened. He Mm -hmm. was like, Yeah, y'all get the fuck out of here or whatever and uh yeah, there was no fuck. I mean, I'm I kind of missed that edge of the garage.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm a crazy person. I loved, <laughs> I loved jacking people up and trying to throw them out. Yeah, I mean, I'm a, I'm a small dude, but I the redneck comes out in me. Mm-hmm. I can't I can't stop it. <laughs> me and uh me and Michael Schmidt. <laughs> Uh, the guy, um uh, he's he, I think he works at the Ramcat now yeah. too. Uh me and him would always just like jack people up and Yeah. <laughs> last time I got punched in the face was at the garage. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nowadays I'll do anything go like yeah, any physical altercation, <laughs> but I still had the zest in me when I yeah. was at the garage. <laughs> well, I mean,
0: and y'all you know, like you were the dude that had to be responsible for yeah. that shit, you know? You mm-hmm. had to like kick people out if you had to.
1: Yeah. I um yeah, nowadays, though. Yeah, it's not. I'll, I'll be like, I'm I'm sorry. <laughs> Just, I didn't mean to step on your shoe. <laughs> please. <laughs> I've got kids. Yeah. Please, I'm sorry.
2: <laughs>
1: you know, I'll, I'll, I'll do whatever it takes. Please. Yeah. Any future assailants, please. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> <It's> <laughs> oh man i was telling this story the other day this is so random this has nothing to do with anything we've talked about i was involved uh i got robbed at gunpoint a couple shit. of times in my life it's happened more than once but i was at work in a like i my very first job was at a um, fast food delivery place we we delivered fried chicken and these people came and robbed us like in the store oh man and the guy who owned the store was like the most white bread person on the planet and uh i was i had just turned 19 and these people came in and you know i was like <gasps> Like yeah, it's like a movie. You're just like and that's your immediate response. Yeah, and they were like, and I was like this, and this dude can't come. This is where I got the voice from. This is what made me think about this dude comes around the corner. The guy who owns it, the super white bread guy, comes around the corner, and he's like, oh god, <laughs> that shit is imprinted <laughs> into my brain for life. I will be on my deathbed, and I'll hear this guy yelling, oh god. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god i i will never uh <laughs> brett bird you're a saint
0: <laughs> yeah i really like the meekness in that voice yeah. Like it's so it's such a real meekness like yeah. that's the tone you take when you're when you're not gonna put up a fight no
1: no and uh none of uh, by the way you got a gun on you No one's putting up a fight. Whatever you thinks going to happen is out the fucking window. No one's a tough guy. Yeah, yeah. You maybe if you have a gun on you and you you walk into it happening, it'll happen. But I'm just telling you right now, it doesn't ever work out like that.
2: Mm.
1: It's happened to me a couple of times, and each time I was like, "Please don't kill me." (laughs) Where where else has it happened? I got I got rubbed at gunpoint. And the, uh, well, I guess they've renamed it now, the Carmike 10 on uh, Rinalda. Mm -hmm. I got robbed there when I was 16, got robbed at that store when I was 19. And uh, when I was 21, I had a giant fight at my house. Uh, Me and my friends affectionately call it Stab Fest 2007. Um, And uh, so I had a gun there, too. Damn. Yeah. No one got shot but four people got stabbed. Damn, <laughs> I don't know how this shit comes upon me. Yeah, I don't like go out looking for it.
0: Yeah, you seem like a pretty peaceful dude. Yeah, Kinda I've never doing your own thing.
1: I've, I've only yeah, I've never really gone my way to pick a fight except for one time. Mm. Yeah,
2: mm.
0: yeah, those are some real experiences, man. Like, and uh, you know what? Yeah, I've just I've never been I've never had a gun pointed at me, uh, and have not been around a stabbing. Yeah. So
2: <laughs> So that's pretty Around intense. The <laughs> Sorry you got. Yeah. <laughs> it's just
0: such a it's a hardcore thing.
1: <laughs> I've never been around this stuff. <laughs> what a way to phrase it. I love it. I love it.
0: it um, it's also interesting. My my dad as you got here today, yeah. my dad and his buddy were here. Yeah. They were telling me stories about some of the horrible things that they've seen. And like it, it reminds me sometimes when I hear these stories that life is incredibly horrifying and a lot of like a lot of shit like that happens you Mm -hmm. know but so it it almost i'm almost surprised that i haven't run into more like crazy circumstances like that when i hear the stories people have from their life yeah
1: i mean i've seen a lot of terrible shit and i wish i could unsee it Mm. and so i i whenever i talk about some of this stuff always you know your experiences define you though and um and like would I, I go back and forth. like, would I do some of this stuff or like want to experience this stuff? And sometimes I'm like, no, I don't, I wouldn't like, I don't want to know that people are like this, mm. but, and I don't think, I think the vast majority of people are good. Society would break down if people the, weren't good. Like it's, I think it's insane to think that people are bad. Like people choose to be bad and people make bad decisions. And then there are just some cruel people that are broken. Um, and so that being said, would I not have wanted to get robbed at gunpoint or seen some of the really awful stuff? Um, here's a perfect example. When my mom was dying, um, I had family members steal shit out of her house. Really? Yeah. Why she was laying in her bed dying Jesus at the Christ. hospital. Yeah. Um, you know, do I want to know that it's a thing or did that change me in some way and change how I like, I go back and forth about that stuff. It's like those experiences define me though. Like it's hard you know um like you know i've dealt with a lot of pain and grief in my life and would i change that i don't know how can you like how would i, I mean obviously you can't but like how would it make any difference or would it make me a completely different person do you think
0: like What comes to mind as you talk about that is like, uh, you know, some some people in like I think the psychology world too, like and and also people just in the literature world have a, a really strong belief that being blind to this stuff. Like like say you had some kind of cushy life and belief system that like was all about positivity. Maybe that would make you like basically the idea is that like the, the light is only bright if you know how dark, dark is, Mm -hmm. you know?
1: Oh yeah. Chiascuro. That's uh the painting style where they accentuate the darkness and the light Mm. to bring the contrast in. Yeah. I absolutely believe that. Like, how can you know what beauty is if you don't know what ugliness is? You know, um, you don't know what serenity is unless you know what turmoil is, you know? Um, I think that's a a natural order kind of thing. Um, It's like, and that's the thing, like grief isn't a contest. Like pain isn't a contest. Like, yeah, I've seen some real awful shit, but like it's not my, the pain I felt from that isn't worse than somebody else's thing that other people would be like, well, that's not as bad. Mm. You know, it's like, we all remember our first big breakup when we were kids and how painful that was. Well, that's because that's the only pain we knew. Yeah. and like yes, it can always get lower you can always find new lows but that doesn't mean that the pain you felt isn't as real and um and so like we, we all feel those things and we all know what pain and grief and joy and love is like because even if i've felt these things i still it's never taken away it's just given me a greater appreciation for the things that Me joy like sharing flowers with people, yeah, you know, or sharing my little tidbits of music. Um, and you know, it's really there is something just so beautiful about playing guitar to someone and watching their eyes kind of light up Mm -hmm. and they like are just overjoyed to hear you share it with them, yeah, yeah,
0: I totally feel that. Yeah, I love it. I think that's a... a approach is the... Uh, it might be the note to end on, I'm not sure. But um, I feel like that what you just said, just just a true pure love for it is is what I see with what you're doing with all that. Um, I guess, yeah, we're... we're I can't think of a better note to end on. I have other curiosities I'd love to indulge in, but I think I don't want to add anything to where we just got. Mm -hmm. So I think, and your dog, I think Tally wants to go outside.
1: Oh, she's so obnoxious. So
0: I think, (laughs) I think we could, uh, I think we could wrap the conversation here unless you have anything else you want to talk about while we're at it.
1: No, no, that's good. Thank you for, uh, thanks for asking me to come on. I really appreciate it. And I'm humbled by it.
0: I'm really glad you did. Uh, it's great to just hear more of your story and, Mm -hmm. I'll be looking for more of those musical flowers as well as uh, I'll come by and check out your real ones too. Yeah,
1: awesome. (laughs) Thank you.
2: All right. wait to share. Cool. Mm -hmm.